In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So we're finally at the month of Kyak. And we got to ask ourselves, what's this month all about? Like, what's the theme of this month? And we can say that this month is about the solution that's coming. And that's Christ, our salvation. He will be born. Okay? So, when I say the solution is coming, that Christ's birth is coming, that obviously implies that there's a problem that he's coming to fix. Okay? So what's that problem? What's he the solution to? We know that humanity fell. And obviously that has a lot of implications, like how our nature is corrupted. But in essence, we can say that the sin that came from disobeying God's commandments caused a barrier between humanity and God because of our corrupted nature, because of this wall that was separating humanity from God, in a sense, that sin alienated humanity from God. So, Christ coming into our world, His birth, is to break down that barrier, to break down that wall, to reconcile us with Himself and to reconcile us with God. So, it reminds me of the part in the liturgy whenever the priest is holding up the veil during the prayer of reconciliation. We know that this veil is actually symbolic of the wall of sin or the barrier between humanity and God. And if you notice that the priest separates this veil or he drops the veil, like in a sense it's broken, when he says, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then, you know, the deacon says, greet one another with a holy kiss. But it's this, it's this moment that tells us we are reconciled by Christ in His name. And so, His birth, His life-giving birth, the birth that reconciles humanity with divinity, is what this season is all about, right? So we are preparing for the salvation that is coming by the Incarnation. And when I say salvation, it's not that He's just going to take us to a destination. A lot of times I ask people, how do you define salvation? And they tell me, it's about going to heaven. And that answer kind of makes me cringe because it reduces salvation to such a, a small part. Yes, we are striving to reach heaven, but in essence, salvation is about having a relationship with God, is being reconciled with God. Salvation is communicating with God. So it's not just about a destination that we're reaching, but salvation means there's a relationship, there's union, there's prayer, okay? And there's no salvation, there's no reconciliation without that relationship, without that communication, without prayer. Prayer, which is any sort of spiritual interaction with God, is what salvation is all about. St. John Climacus says, Prayer is by nature a dialogue and a union with God. Its effect is to hold the world together. It achieves a reconciliation with God. So I want to take this uh, 
month of Kiak to do something a little bit different. Okay, Typically, I would just meditate on each specific gospel passage for the sermon, but I want to meditate on the theme of Kiak as a whole. Okay, And I want to meditate on this concept of salvation that comes to us through this reconciliatory work of Christ's birth. And that reconciliation that allows us to have a relationship with Him, that allows us to experience Him, to pray and to communicate with Him. Alright, so in a sense you could say it's like a four-part series on what it means to prepare for the birth of Christ and to prepare for that relationship, to have a deeper life of communication and a deeper life of prayer with God. Alright, so... Again, salvation is a relationship. It's union with God. And that means communicating with Him. There's no such thing as experiencing salvation without communicating with God, without interacting with Him. We say, Emmanuel, God is with us. And we know that the one to be born is called Emmanuel. But we got to wonder whether He's really with us. Think about a couple that goes out on a date. And I see this a lot and it really irritates me. But I'll see some couples that are out together and they're just stuck on their phone the whole time. They're not even like attentive to one another. And you can say they're together, but are they really with each other? That's the real question. We got to ask ourselves that same question. Sure. God is present. Like Pope Shenouda's famous words, Rabbin Mawgud, He is present. We know that. But am I experiencing His presence? Am I really with Him? St. Isaac the Syrian says, the greatest form of prayer is to stand silently in awe before God. It tells us it's not just about mere words, but about Standing in His presence. Not literally standing, although it's important for us to have reverence and to stand before God, but to simply be in His presence. For our spirit, our soul, to stand before God even in silence. And that's the highest form of prayer. So, God's presence is what salvation is all about. Again, it's not a destination. It's a relationship. So in as much as we communicate with God and cultivate that relationship, we experience the joy of salvation. So this relationship, which is essentially all about prayer, is the meaning of salvation. But we really have to experience God. We can't say we're experiencing salvation and we have a life of prayer if we just randomly think of God, you know, when we wake up, once in the morning, before we sleep, another time at night, and then say we're really experiencing Him. I love the example of just taking a friend to one of your favorite movies. And you're going to a, a movie theater, and like you love this movie. Like For me, it would be Gladiator. Like I love Gladiator, and if I want to show Gladiator to one of my friends, take him with me to the theater... And we're going to sit down and watch the movie together so you can really experience how cool this movie is. And if I see my friend is like, 
texting or he's thinking about what he's going to eat later, even though I wouldn't really know what he's thinking about. <laughs> but let's say he's just distracted, okay? Whether mentally, you know, with thoughts that I'm not aware of, or he's playing with his phone, or he's just playing a game, whatever. If he walks out of the theater and he tells me that he didn't really care about the movie and he didn't think it was a good movie, like, I, I would not be happy with that. <laughs> because obviously he didn't really experience it. He didn't give it a shot. Right? He didn't sit there and really pay attention to the movie. So we got to experience God. We got to pay attention to His presence. We know that He is really with us. And that's what Emmanuel means. A lot of times we think of prayer as just like a checklist. Okay? And nothing is worse than reducing prayer to just a monotonous sort of robotic movement. Father Ian Matthew says, Beyond praise, petition, or begging for pardon, the impulse in prayer is towards presence, being with, being with the person. This must be so, otherwise we would be cheated of our Christian inheritance. The Son of God who elected to be with us has opened new possibilities in prayer. In the Gospels, people ask Jesus for things and praise His ministry, but the deeper movement is expressed by the attitude of sinners, whose concern is to sit with Him. The Apostles' primary call is to be with Him. The fruit of the resurrection, abide in my love, remain, stay with, be with. That's what prayer is all about. To actually be in His presence. And you see this in how the saints define prayer. In an interview with Mother Teresa, there was um, a question that the guy asked her. What do you say when you pray to God? And she says, I don't say anything. I just listen. I don't say anything. I just listen. And so the guy asked her, well, what does God say to you? (laughs) And she said, he doesn't say anything either. He just listens. To her, that's what prayer is all about. To be present with God, listening to one another. Not reducing prayer to just a bunch of gibberish. A lot of times we're just saying words just to say words. And obviously words are important. We need to put our prayer into words, but that's not what it's all about. It's about being present with God. This is what we're created for. We're created to interact with Him. And that's what the birth of Christ is all about for Christ to come and to restore that which was lost, which was the purpose of our life. To be in communion with God, to have a relationship, to communicate with Him. Father Matthew the poor says, it seems as if we're created for prayer. Prayer is the only bond that links us to God. It stands before our hearts as the eternal life, which is our hope. Prayer is the condition in which we discover our own divine image on which the stamp of the Holy Trinity is impressed. And later on he says, Without prayer, 
man loses the meaning of his existence and the purpose of his creation. Prayer is our essence. Interacting with God is the reason we're created. I love the quote by St. Augustine. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And we know that's the truth. Like so often, we're restless. We're filled with anxieties. And until we disconnect from all the chaos in our life and just sit in the presence of God, even to detach from the hassles of service and ministry, like how Martha was just distracted with so much, to be like Mary, to sit at His feet. That's what God desires for us. In Isaiah 118, He says, Come, let us reason, says the Lord. Come, let's dialogue, let's talk. Let's discuss things, let's reason. Even though like, God, like up here, I'm down here, says, come, let's reason. It's like an emperor or a king calling a peasant and saying, hey, let's discuss matters together. But that's God's desire for us. Father Matthew the poor says, oh, that we should always remember that God ever seeks our worship. It's as if He waits the hour of our prayer. That's such divine humility that is beyond our conception. That God condescends to our level to say, I want to hear your voice. In Isaiah 65 too, he says, I spread out my hands all day long. Like that's the permanent posture that the hands of our Lord is fixed on. It's just that wide open spread of his arms ready to embrace us. I spread out my hands all day long, waiting for us, waiting for us to run to Him. And as a matter of fact, when we're too lazy or distracted, He doesn't just sit idly, but He pursues us, He seeks us. We can't think of God as this distant sort of almighty, powerful creator that's far from us. He's near. I mean, that's what Emmanuel is all about. He's near and he wants to give us life. Father Matthew the poor says, we do not pull Christ towards us from heaven by prayer. Rather, we discover him within ourselves. When we pray, we realize that we're not bringing God closer to us. But we realize that He has been with us all along. We realize that we're reviving this dormant quality, this dormant part in our life that's awaiting this profound activity of conversing with God. Nothing is more important than prayer. St. Gregory Nazianzus says, it's more important to remember God than it is to breathe. It's more important to remember God than it is to breathe. Like without our connection with God, we're dead. Bishop Ignatius, uh, Brian Chanunov, he says, God doesn't need our prayers. He knows what we need even before we ask. He's the all-merciful and He pours His abundant bounties 
even on those who do not ask Him. It's for us that prayer is indispensable. It appropriates man to God. I hope we're all convinced of this need. And unfortunately, it's a little idle when like, we don't realize that hunger and the thirst for God, when we haven't been praying, but without God, we are dead. Without prayer, we have no relationship with Him. It's prayer that gives our life meaning, that interaction with God, being in His presence, communicating with Him. Father Matthew the Poor says, prayer is the most powerful, effective spiritual work and has its own spontaneous reward without the evidence of feelings. Prayer could not have an end or an aim higher than itself. I'm going to repeat that again. Prayer cannot have an aim or an end higher than itself. It is the highest aim of the highest work. A lot of times we think that prayer is like a tool or a path to the goal. But prayer itself is the goal. There is nothing greater than to just be in prayer, to be in God's presence. There was a question that St. Isaac's disciples asked him. They said, what's the apex of all the labors of asceticism which a man recognizes on reaching there as the summit of his course. Like, what is the top of the top? And when you reach this, you realize that you're at the apex. You're at the top. This is what he said. When he's deemed worthy of constant prayer, when he has reached this, he has touched the end of all virtues and has become an abode of the Holy Spirit. If you think about why someone like St. Peshoy would tie his hair to a rope that's attached to the ceiling and would deprive himself of sleep so that every time he would get tired, the rope would tug in his hair, wake him up, and he would stay in constant, unceasing prayer. Why? It's because this is the greatest joy that a man can receive, the greatest delight, that intimacy in prayer. That's why the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you taste the presence of God, you see that He is good. You see that there is nothing better. You'll want to do what St. Bashoy did. How many times do we wait for like, the benefit of prayer to come after we go and talk to God. And we think that like the joy, the benefit is going to come after we pray. Like, let's pray so that we can get this and this and this. Let's go to God so that He can give us this after we pray. Not knowing that the time of prayer is itself the reward. Communicating with God is the benefit. Henry Nowen says, The truly good news is that God is not a distant God, a God to be feared and avoided, a God of revenge, but a God who is moved by our pains and participates in the fullness of the human struggle. God is a compassionate God. This means, first of all, that God is a God who has chosen to be God with us. As soon as we call God, God with us, 
we enter into a new relationship of intimacy with Him. By calling God Emmanuel, we recognize God's commitment to live in solidarity with us, to share our joys and pains, to defend and protect us, and to suffer all of life with us. The God with us is a close God, a God whom we call our refuge, our stronghold, our wisdom, and even more intimately, our helper, our shepherd, our love. We will never really know God as a compassionate God if we do not understand with our heart and mind that the Word became flesh and lived among us. So that's what the Incarnation is all about. That's what we're praying for, to have this intimacy, to have that sense of depth in our communication and in our interaction with God. It's this that transforms us and even transforms the world. Think about someone like Pope Krillus. You know the story whenever early in his papacy, many people were trying to get rid of him and there were several priests that were publishing these nasty articles and spreading lies about how terrible he was and Pope Krillus knew about this. He knew that there were these priests fabricating stories about him, trying to get rid of him. And he's above them. He's the Pope. And so, what does he do about it? He simply prayed. And he continued to pray and to pray and to pray. One night, we know that um, they were publishing these articles. So a piece that they were using um, in their printer broke. And so they had to go and find a replacement part for this piece. They went, bought a brand new part, put it in the printer, started to work on some other nasty articles, and the same exact part broke once again. And so one of the priests was convicted by this. He knew that something didn't add up. There was no way this is all a coincidence. And he ran to Pope Krillus, and he said, you know, I'm going to just confess and I'm going to tell him what we were doing as soon as he knocked and entered into the room where Pope Krillus was Pope Krillus told him by his own mouth what he was doing and the guy was shocked you knew about this? you knew that we were doing all this nasty stuff? why didn't you stop us? why didn't you do anything? he said I did do something I was praying for you this whole time. Could you imagine how this guy felt? Like he knew that there was a man that didn't just care to take every matter into his own hands. He knew that nothing is more powerful than prayer. And it could transform others. And that man repented on the spot. And then he called his fellow priests that came over, offered their confession and repentance as well. Pope Crow said, I forgive you with my whole heart. And it was all a product of his prayer. A lot of times we say, like, prayer can move mountains, and we say that just figuratively, not knowing that this is the reality. Prayer can move mountains. Father Matthew the Poor says, the value of prayer is thus transcendent and unlimited overflowing from Him who prays to all people. Its light extends beyond time in proportion to the depth of experience to give light to all generations 
and to bear witness to God in every country. Through bended knees, not only can other souls be changed, but also the fate of the whole world. We know how the Mukatta mountain was moved by prayer. A mountain was moved by prayer. And we can move the mountains of our sins, all of those habits that we're trying to break and we just can't. They can move by prayer. And even if like the people we're praying for, the situations we're praying for, aren't automatically transformed because maybe by God's wisdom, He sees a better route or He's just waiting for a better time. We know that we ourselves are transformed by prayer. Think about Moses when he was in the presence of God in the mountain. He came down from the mountain, his face was glowing, and they couldn't even bear to look at him. They said, you got to cover up, man. Like, we know that you must have been in the presence of God. You look like you're transformed. You're glowing. You're so bright that we can't even look upon your face. I know I'm tight on time, so I'll just leave you with this uh, last little example. St. Isaac the Syrian was certain in his salvation. And he was asked, if you know that God will save you, you're certain that God is love. You're certain that God has unconditional mercy and He will save you and He will give you eternal life. Why are you dedicating your life to so much work, to prostrations, to readings, to prayer, to pray and read so much that we know before the end of his life, St. Isaac the Syrian was blind. That's the extent that his eyes were dedicated to reading the scriptures, to listening to God's words by digging into his his words in the Bible, to stand in prayer and to offer vigils on countless days. Why do all of that when you're confident in God's love and you know that He's going to save you? And his answer was simple. He said to experience God here and now. This is what salvation is all about. If we're not experiencing God thinking that salvation will come, that we're waiting for that destination, whenever we go to heaven, we fool ourselves. That's why Christ said the kingdom of heaven is within you. And when you look deep inside and see the presence of God and communicate with Him, you experience the joy of salvation. You experience that intimacy. Everything that we said about how Christ will ultimately give us the salvation that we've been waiting for, the salvation that Adam and Eve failed to achieve is only possible through the Incarnation. It's, it's the Incarnation that reconciles us to have that fellowship, to have that relationship with God and to communicate with Him. And I pray, I truly, truly pray that we taste and see that the Lord is good and we pray constantly with discipline and to offer our life to God as a sweet savor of incense. Unto Him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen.